0: I'm going to give to you a copy of the notes that I'm going to be given at a grace conference that I'm going to this week. And I'm always looking forward to going to other places and speaking. And I enjoy it. I really do. But they wanted me to speak on how to prove eternal security. Well, there's a lot of ways I could do that. I could simply say because God said so. That's it. I could quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, or 1 John five thirteen, 13, and say, just believe that, and you got it made. But I want to go a little bit deeper into the Word of God, and remember now, we're going to be covering some things that I'm not interested in covering the issues of the day, not talking about the, you know, marriage, remarriage, whether it's right, wrong. I'm, I'm just going to tell you what the book says, and go through it, because there's a wonderful lesson in it When it's the supreme, it's uh, the ideal of what God wanted. We live in a sinful world. We don't always do the things that we're supposed to do. But God did lay it down the way he wanted it to be. There's nothing wrong with God giving the Ten Commandments. Is there? It's that we nobody kept it. But there's nothing wrong with the law. It's that they can't save anybody. But it does let us know what God requires in the standard of righteousness. And God is perfect. God is just. God is holy. We're thankful that we live in America where we can live, and worship freely. And we're supposed to have a government that protects and defends these liberties of ours. So that we can live a quiet and a peaceful life. But there are people in this world that don't want you to live, and especially not a peaceful life. There are those that are bent on destruction. Want to take away our freedoms and our liberties. As the Bible says in the book of Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. America was based upon the Bible, and we've got some wonderful freedoms in America, and we ought to stand fast therefore upon the liberties wherewith God hath made us free, and we ought not allow ourselves to be enslaved again, because we're on the verge of losing our country. But I want to mention a few other things to you. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis in chapter 2, very quickly. Some of these things I have mentioned before, but I want to give you a copy of what I've mentioned before, but also to go a little bit further. As we know, there's much discussion in the world today about whether there's, uh, you know, male and female, transvestites, and all the rest of it. In case you did not know, we already had a Bible where God said what we are. If you'll notice there in the book of Genesis in chapter 2, look in verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one. And they were both naked, and man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, this is the first man, first woman. And as far as we know, there hasn't been any other kind of person created. You're either a man or you're a woman. And if you don't know what you are, it's a mental problem. It's not anything physical. I believe the Bible is simple. It is true. It's clear. But point number one, I want you to see, the first man and woman was to be bound forever. If they had never sinned, if Adam and Eve had never sinned, how long would he have been stuck? I mean, how long would he have had that woman? They would have been married for how long? Now, you talk about yours been a long time. This would have been forever. But then she, at that time, was the most beautiful woman in the world. Right? He had to be the most handsomest man in the world. They didn't have any options. So they wouldn't have known anybody looking better or anybody looking worse. But then the Bible says Eve was the mother of all living. So they had a whole bunch afterwards. But sin entered into the world. And that's always the problem. You and I could do a a lot of things for the Lord if it wasn't for that old sinful nature that we were born with. And yet you were born with it. And everybody has one, except my two grandkids. Everybody has got this old sinful nature. And because of that, there's a problem. Look at number two. After sin entered into the world, they were bound unto death. Now, after sin came into the world... They weren't bound together forever. They were bound until death. So one of them eventually is going to die. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis in chapter 5 that after about 950 years, he died. See there? Look in chapter 5. In chapter 5, look in verse 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. You know, that's a long time to live, but he still died. So the Bible tells us that regardless of how long you live, you're going to die. So they were now bound together when he says, cleave unto his wife. Leave and cleave. Those are two things important. When you get married, you're supposed to leave, mother and father, cleave unto each other. So take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 3. The book of Matthew and chapter 3. Now, it's amazing that sometimes the scriptures just doesn't do a lot of explaining in certain areas. It just comes right out and, boom, hits you upside the head with it and say, this is it. And so then, if we don't agree with what God said there, we got down. We got to try to figure out what He really meant. And then He says something, else? is there a loophole? Is there a clause? You no, know, escape clause. Because everybody wants to know how can they get out of this uh, being bound together until death do us part. So the disciples said to him, Lord, if this if what you're saying is true, then it's good not to get married. That's what he said. Look there in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Look in verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? I mean, for any reason. They said, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, I divorced thee. You're divorced. Isn't that wonderful? Now, my wife and I, we've been married going on 57 years. I think it's a keeper. But it's, you know, been a lot of years we've been married, and sometimes it seems like I have been married all my life. I can hardly remember when I wasn't married. And so God gave me a good woman. I'm just, I've been blessed. And the Bible says, he that findeth a woman findeth a good thing. I'd just like to make a correction on that verse just a little bit. He did find it a good woman, good, good woman, very good woman, find it a good thing. Because not all women like to keep their place. Not all men want to accept their responsibility. So we have a lot of turmoil in this old world. People that don't do what God wants them to do. So everybody wants to go their own way, do their own thing. And if you don't want to call it sin, you just don't call it sin and it's okay. Because today nobody says anything about anybody's sin. And there's some churches that are mega churches because the preacher doesn't say anything about sin because it's so negative, makes you feel bad. We want you to feel good. I really don't care how you feel. I want to tell you the truth and you deal with it. This is what God says, now do whatever you want to do with it. I'm not interested in your feeling. In other words, after everybody leaves, we'll give you two sedatives as you walk out the door. That'll make you feel a little bit better. But do I have the responsibility to try to make everybody feel good? Tickle your ears or tell you what the book says. I think I'll just tell you what God says and leave it lay. Because whatever you say to one person that really soothes and makes them feel good, makes somebody else burning mad. So I find out, forget it. Don't play the game. But look what he says in verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them what? Male and female. Now you know. Now you know. You didn't know that before, but now you know. There's only two kinds of people. There isn't any other kind of people. There's male and female. And said, For this cause shall a man leave and cleave. It means you leave mother and father, cleave to each other. So you're to cleave to each other as two people become one. And two people becoming one for how long? It's not forever. It's until death do you part, until one of you dies. Now, that could be a long time. It could be a short time. You say, well, I need to be free. Well, God strike my husband. No, (laughs) don't do that. And so you may not want to do the things God wants you to do, but just do what God says. You'll find that in the long run, you probably wind up winning. You'll like the results of obeying God more. But now, whether well, you've been divorced or remarried, I don't care how many times, I'm not interested in that. I'm just telling this is what he says. This is what God's ideal. In the beginning, it was like this, but now, now you done ruined it. So they asked the question, yeah, but what about what Moses said? Yes, Moses gave you a bill of divorcement, but because of the hardness of your heart, because you're hard-hearted, because of sin, you won't do what it takes to make it work. You've got to have both people working together to make something work. So he says in verse 6, I want you to see this verse 6, where he says, Wherefore they are no more two but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. That means you don't go to the the courts, don't decide it, don't go to the courts, don't put it asunder. Nothing like it. No man. It's to divide that which is joined together, and the root of the reason is because see the marriage picture tells a story. Uh, it's kind of like here's God and here's man. God loves man, and so God wants to accept the man. So the man accepts the Lord, and you're joined together, and it's a picture of your eternal salvation. And the Lord refers to the marriage picture about salvation it really does and i'll show you that in just a second now it means it's not to be separated not to be loosed not to be destroyed not to be severed don't look at number three point number three a man is bound by the law until death now look in romans in chapter seven i want you to see exactly because you may see it on the paper but that doesn't mean it's in the bible i could have just made this up always check it out with the bible Don't just trust the preacher. You want to trust what the Word of God says. The Bible is the authority. In Romans in chapter 7, in verse 1, he says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that uh, the law hath dominion over a man as long as he what? As long as he is alive. So if the man is dead, then the law has no Dominion over him. It's just like this. If you die today, do you have to pay your bills? I mean, somebody else may. But do you have to pay your bills tomorrow? You don't have to do anything. IRS, don't have to. What, you're dead. What are you going to do? Dig you back up? They might. I mean, they want you bad enough. But once you're dead, you have no more obli- There's nothing else you can do. You're dead. The law cannot condemn a dead man. And so once you trust Christ as your Savior... His death is put to you, to your account. That's when you died. So when you died, the day you trusted Christ as your Savior, because His death put to your account, then you're free from the law. We're talking about we're cultivating our independence, where you know we're, we're free to go our way and do what we want without you know Britain and England be over over us and demanding and collecting taxes and all that. We're free. So. God says when it comes to salvation, he hath made you free. Free from a few things that you need to understand. You see, there is the law of sin and death. Wouldn't it be nice to be free from sin? You know that old sinful, lustful desires that you have? Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have that? You just always want to do right. But you also want to do wrong. You get mean and ugly, envious, jealousy, covetous, We do all those things, and so it would be nice if we didn't have all of that. But you know, whenever you trust Christ as your Savior, He made you free from its power. Now, there's power still there. The lust is still there. But God gave you a new birth with the Holy Spirit, so you have new desires. And these new desires, if you obey them, are stronger and greater than these desires. So, you have a choice. You can fulfill the sinful desires or you can fulfill these divine desires. But it's a choice. Now you have the power over sin, and one day, even though this body is going to die, you know that you have power over death because you're going to live again. You're going to have a resurrected body. Or if the Lord came back today, you're going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So, we'll be free from it. You see, we have. A joyful anticipation. The word hope doesn't mean like I hope I'm going to heaven. Hope, 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 hope. No, it means a joyful anticipation. I know I'm going. I anticipate it. And therefore, we have this freedom. And you're free from the law. See, the law can't condemn you ever again. Why? Because the law can't condemn a dead man. That's why the day I trusted Christ as my Savior, when I was 18 years old, living in Athens, Georgia, I trusted Christ. His death is put to my account. Now, the law can never condemn me in the future. You say, what if you sin the next day? Jesus said, put that to my account. What if I sin the next day? Jesus says, put that to my account. That, go, that goes on me. I paid for that. You see, Jesus, when he died, he paid for all my sin from the time I'm born to the time that I died. What if I sin tomorrow? Really bad. Put that on his account. You see, the Bible says in the book of Romans, in chapter 4, Blessed is the man unto whom God does not impute their sins. He doesn't put my sins that I commit to my account. You say, you don't deserve that. I know. called grace. So that's why there's no sin in the future that can condemn me to hell because the law can't touch me. I'm dead to the law. And that's why when the sins that I commit put that to his account. And now, because all of this is true, I'm supposed to be thankful to the Lord for the rest of my life for what He's done. You see, that means you can just have a license to sin. Oh, you can go ahead and sin, and you probably will. Most people do. But ain't it nice to know that you can never be condemned again? You see, well, then why do I have to confess my sins to God down the road? That's not for God's benefit. That's for yours. That's because whenever, see, you hadn't done those sins yet. You've done these you hadn't done these. So when you did it, it means confess. This is a sin Christ died for. And he is faithful and just. See, he must forgive because He it's based upon what Christ did for you. And so, yes, I confess that. But that's to remove my guilt. Otherwise, you'll live the rest of your life in guilt for all the things you've done that was wrong. And you don't have to. That's why God took our guilt. He took our shame. So you don't have to live for the rest of your life that way. Anyway, all these things are important here. Look at the next verse. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. Just look in your notes on this verse. It's right there in your notes. Galatians 2, 19. For I through the law am, what's those words? Dead to the law. Dead to the law. That I might live unto God. You can't live for God until you are dead to the law. You must be loose from the law before you can be bound to Christ. In other words, a woman is not to marry another man when she's married. Otherwise, you've got two husbands, and you're not supposed to do it. So she said, okay, I'll divorce this one and get this one. Okay, you can do that, but it's still not wise. Just because you have the power to do some things doesn't mean you have the wisdom to do some things. So you may not be wise just because you have Have you ever seen some college-age kids that are old enough to get married, have the right to get married? Probably shouldn't. You ever seen anybody like that? Just because you're old in the age, doesn't mean you have the wisdom to go along with it. Probably some of y'all already here. You got married when you didn't know a cotton picking thing about marriage, and as you look back upon it, you say, "I should have never done that. <laughs> I got bound, and then you try to figure how can I get free? Well, all you got to do is wait till she dies, or he. She waits till you die. You say that could be a long time. Yeah." Penalties for these decisions. That makes marriage a lot more important. You better seek counseling before you get married. Oh, hi. What's your name? Uh, my name is Jane. What's your bill? Let's get married. Okay. You might need to check out more than that. And know where a person stands spiritually. So it's not just because you can. It's, are, are you wise enough? Have you sought counseling? You seek God's will on what you do. And it's not just a matter of marrying somebody that believes on the Lord. They're a Christian, so I can marry them. Yeah, but is it a Christian that's serving the Lord? Not one that's promising you what he's going to do, but he's doing it. You see, if a man doesn't love God, he'll never love you the way he should. If that woman is disrespectful to her parents, it's a warning sign. But anyway, we're not talking about marriage today. Just every once in a while, just something just slides out. You know, you just do it. Look at the notes again. Look at number four. A woman is bound unto her husband until death. Look at uh, verse 2. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as, as, what does it say? As he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. See there. Isn't that wonderful news? Some of y'all are rejoicing already. You should be one happy family. You know, the home is supposed to be a, like a picture of heaven on earth. Is that where your home is, your marriage? He you said, no, it's more like hell on earth. Well, it's supposed to be like heaven on earth. And then notice, in your notes there, she's loose from her husband. Now, in verse 3 of chapter 7, look there in the scriptures. So then if, while her husband liveth, She be married to another man, she shall be called an adulterer. But her husband, if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she's no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So what's this got to do with marriage and eternal security? Everything. Because this is where you are. This is where we live. This is what's going on in life. People getting married and divorced and remarried and all that. This is what what goes on. Not everybody does what God's Word says. Some people, you know, and you could do all the right you want to do, but if your mate doesn't, you can get stuck. And so, therefore, it causes a lot of headache. But if you don't know what caused the first marriage to go wrong, and then you go ahead and get divorced and then remarried, the problem, if it was in you, you carried it right into the next one. And you didn't know how to solve it here. What makes you think you're going to solve it here? Most times, people just reproduce whatever they are the way they are. Because it's part of your character. And in this old world, nobody's perfect. But now notice, in verse 3, when he says this, She shall be called it, but if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adult, though she be married to another man. So God's not against a person marrying somebody else. It says, well, let's just do it right. From the beginning to the end, there's a way that God handles all these things. Now, I want you to look there in your notes. At number four, the last line, I have it in bold. If she is free to marry another, how long is the new marriage to last? Now, if we're talking about here you are and here I am. Here I am and I have an old sinful nature. God calls it that old man, that old man. So everybody in here, you're married to an old man. You say, well, I'm a woman. You're still married to an old man. If you're a man, you're married to an old man. You've got this old sinful nature. You would like to be free from it. All right, here's Christ. He's the Lord. He's God. He's perfect. God in the flesh. Never sinned. Never did anything wrong. So you can't marry Christ until you die. Because, you see, you're already married. You're married, like, for example, to the law. Here's the righteous law, and here's a sinful person. So you can't marry Christ until you're free from the law. Well, how can you get free from the law? you got a problem. Why? Because, see, the law is perfect. He doesn't sin, so he can't die. The only one left to die is who? You. So that's why when Christ died and paid for your sins, and you believe that, the law is satisfied because the law says... If you don't obey me perfectly, you have to die. That's why the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, short of God's perfection. See, everybody in the world is under the dominion of the law. It's like we're married and we can't fulfill our responsibilities because we cannot keep the righteous demands of the law. So the Lord says, you have to die. The wages of sin is death. So everybody has to die. Christ went to the cross and died for how many people? Everybody. all, everybody. So that those individuals who want to be free from the law and sin and death must accept Christ. He is our liberty. So when you accept Christ as your Savior, his death is put to your account. The law is satisfied. You're free to go. Now you can marry another. And the thing that you need to understand is once you trust Christ as Savior, your new birth is perfect. And because it's perfect, it can't sin. And if it can't sin, it can't die. So now you are an individual that can never die. Your new birth, born of God. This new birth that has no sinful nature that's perfect, becomes the bride of the lamb. And the bride can marry the lamb, which is the son of God. And we're the bride, he's the bridegroom. And so these two people who are perfect can be joined together in holy matrimony. And when they are joined together, God says, and the son says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now, a lot of husbands in life do. He said, I will not. And he doesn't require you to do anything you can't do. And he never requires this perfect person to do anything imperfect. So they are joined together. Now, how long is this marriage going to last? Forever. Forever. Because neither one of these can die. The son will never see death again. And you, as the Bible says in John chapter 11, he that believeth in me shall never die. But and if he die, yet shall he live. You see, when you trusted Christ as Savior, you were given a new birth. When you die, that's your first birth. Your second birth will never die. And you're joined together with the Lord for all eternity. This is a marriage that God's talking about. So the marriage upon the earth is supposed to teach this beautiful thing Illustration. But we mar the illustration. Everything that God put down that's good and right, mankind always messes it up.